What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this episode, I'm joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo. Are you ready to talk about Ingmar Bergman and his influence on modern cinema? <laughs> I was not expecting that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're here to talk about muscly superheroes and screaming goats. Yay. Ah! <laughs> that was my best shot. That was yeah, best. yeah. Um, sorry for those cinephiles hoping for a full episode on Bergman. Perhaps we'll save that for another time. But the truth <laughs> is, cinema is dominated by franchises and superheroes, and that means we've talked about the biggest release to hit theaters since the last biggest release to hit theaters last week, Thor: <laughs> Love and Thunder. We're not uh, going to talk about Minions at all. No, that's, that's what you're saying. Why well, are so, we not talking about Minions? I was gonna when I was when I was thinking about how to intro this. I was gonna like it's the biggest release of the summer, and then I'm like, well, no, Minions broke records last week. Uh, Top Guns at a billion, Jurassic mm-hmm. World Dominions at a billion. You know, it's like, oh my God. This yeah, is, it's a big yeah. summer. I it's a big it summer is. and it's good for theaters, but you know, it's. I also it. seem to remember you saying Jurassic World was going to bomb. Well, no, I did not say Jurassic World is going to bomb. I said it was going to struggle. And and I said it's a billion, but it's only really as of this recording at like 800 million. So it's, it's still struggling to hit a billion. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's not quite there. It's still doing well, which is shocking because yeah, yeah, it's I not a good movie. Anybody cares? I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to the task at hand. Uh, if you've heard us talk about Marvel movies in the past, you know that we begin our discussion with non-spoiler thoughts, just kind of our overall musings about the film, just to get that out of the way. And then we'll pause for a second, and then we'll get right into spoilers, where we'll talk about the nitty gritty about you know what happens in Chris Hemsworth's latest adventure is the God of Thunder. But before we get to the discussion of Thor, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Also, before we get to the discussion, I got to tell you, if you didn't hear my last episode of the podcast, let me tell you, you probably should, especially if you're a fan of the MCU, because earlier this week, I released an interview I conducted with Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, who's one of the directors of Ms. Marvel, and it's really fun, especially if you're enjoying that show, so give it a listen. Okay, with that <laughs> out of the way, let's, uh, let's get into our discussion of Thor. Thor Love and Thunder is the fourth film in the Thor franchise, which is the first time ever in the MCU that a solo franchise has reached four films. Not even Iron Man has reached that milestone, but in all seriousness, Captain America is going to get there too, so it's... You know, I mean, the first technically, he's not. It's okay. a different Captain America. Okay. <laughs> it will be called, you know, it will be the fourth Captain America. Regardless. Technically be titled Captain America something or something, you know. Yeah. That's a great title. We should pitch it. Captain, Captain America, America something, something or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, even when we talk about the Thor franchise, this is more like the second film because it's the Taika Waititi uh, reinvention of the franchise after Ragnarok. So really you can't even count this as the same franchise as dark world right like i mean no. that's crazy barely yeah it just doesn't work the yeah i don't no. understand 
Yeah. So in Love and Thunder, Thor is dealing with his new status quo at the end of Avengers Endgame, trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life, a superhero midlife crisis of sorts. But that all gets thrown for a loop when his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster reappears on the scene, carrying his hammer and calling herself the Mighty Thor. The duo then team up to fight Gore the God Butcher and try to save the day. That pretty Uh, much sums it up. Yeah. So you don't even have to see the movie, honestly. (laughs) Except they both die at the end, and it's really tragic. <laughs> Gore the God Butcher wins. The new the new franchise is going to be Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. It's the Empire th- Strikes Back of the, the new Taika Waititi Thor trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Mike, uh, now that everybody's caught up or confused by the way we're talking about this movie already, let's start with your overall thoughts on the film. Yeah. None of that that Charles just said is true. Well, maybe. But y- you never know. Uh, but... I guess for me, and I think for you as well, Charles, with the exception of Spider-Man No Way Home, the MCU has been on an unprecedented rough patch. Um, In film. Yes. Well, film and and series. I mean, Eternals and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness have been bottom five. Black Widow, too. Black Widow have been bottom five for me. And then, you know, there's the series, which you mentioned. They start strong, but they fizzle towards the end. They tend to get plot heavy, which look at Miss Marvel right now. Started great, got bogged down in plot for three episodes now. But I love Taika Waititi, and I love Thor Ragnarok. It might be the most rewatched Marvel film in my house because my kids love Thor and Hulk, and it's supremely rewatchable and funny and charming in only the way that Taika Waititi can deliver. So I went into this with, despite you know being let down a bunch of times in the recent history of the MCU, I went into this with hope that Taika could kind of pull off another Ragnarok level surprise or at least just a coherent film. And <laughs> that's where we've gotten, right? Is we just, just want to just want a movie, man. Yeah. And while it's it's basically more of the same uh and has some kind of big logic gaps that Ragnarok didn't quite have, I think Taika kind of he makes it packed with enough heart and humor to make it kind of a worthy follow-up and and entertaining overall. Um like I said, it's not as tight as Ragnarok and the element of surprise is gone, but that's kind of the curse of comedy sequels. And let's face it, this is a comedy series now. Yeah. Comedies kind of rely on the element of surprise and uh, audiences. Basically they go, yay, we want more and you give them more and they go, well, I didn't want another one. So, I mean, it's a bit of a losing battle with a lot of audience members. I have a feeling, but I think if you loved Ragnarok, I think you'll find a lot to enjoy. I was laughing consistently. The emotional payoff at the end helps you forgive a lot of those logical gaps that I was mentioning. It's one of those things where it's looking you in the eyes the whole time, even in the the marketing, and you never realize where it's headed. And then you're going, oh, duh. Yeah, that's that, that makes complete sense. And I really like where they left that. And I guess bottom line, when it was over, I was like, well, they have to make another one now, which I <laughs> definitely was not saying at the end of Eternals and Doctor Strange. So I really liked it. Not as much as Ragnarok, but solid, uh, entertaining movie. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Ragnarok is top tier MCU. It is one of the most rewatchable movies. I think uh, I've said this to you before, but I think the, the reason Marvel struggled in phase four is a, they have no direction right now. It doesn't feel like it's building towards anything. Right. So the movies that are super plot heavy just kind of get boring because we don't think that this is all going to pay off in any way. <laughs> and then B, they kind of lost their way a little bit in the sense that they they used to be, when you go to see an MCU movie, it used to be connected, sure, but it was its own thing and it was its own story, a beginning, middle and end. 
and you just had fun. Like it yeah. wasn't going to be an awards contender. It wasn't trying to be the biggest, best thing ever. It was just trying to tell a fun story. And I think Taika nailed that with Ragnarok. And I think he brings that same sort of energy to Love and Thunder where this isn't a movie that's going to change the way you see the MCU moving forward. No, no, this isn't a movie where you have to have seen all the things that happened before it in Doctor Strange or Eternals or Black Widow. This is a continuation of the story from Ragnarok. You probably should watch Endgame, even though they have a couple moments where they uh, kind of gratuitously like recap what happened. Um, yeah, you don't need to watch anything. Yeah, watch you really Ragnarok don't. You don't even have this. to watch Ragnarok because, yeah. well, I mean, you should, but uh, this is its own thing. And and in that sense, because my uh my joy around the mcu has kind of been diluted a bit as of late i was just happy to see a movie that made me feel like oh this is this is fun it's a superhero story it's it's not a uh don't confuse this with a turn your brain off and just watch type thing i'm not saying that at all i think it's genuinely a good story and i think it it may be a little thin um but it is a fun good story with great acting and awesome action and a lot of good jokes now, the caveat is there are a lot of jokes and <laughs> not even Taika Waititi can bat a thousand. So right. he's he's more of a quantity over quality joke teller. So there's a lot of jokes coming at you a mile a minute and a lot of them will land, but some of them won't. Um, and when they don't. Surprisingly, the goats work. <laughs> they do. They do. I, I, the, I the did goats not expect it. I did yeah. not expect it. But uh, yeah, so the jokes, you know, as with any comedy, especially comedy sequel, there's a lot of stuff that you may have seen before, but it's, uh, you know, it's still fun. Yeah. If but you what like Taika's shtick, I think you'll like it. Yeah. But if you're, it, if you're one of those Ragnarok haters, like, that's not the real Thor. This is not the movie. No, no. They've doubled down on the Taika-ness yes. in this one. But um, I think what one of his strengths is in all of his movies, but especially when he's dealing with Thor and these two, is he kind of nails the characters. He kind of, every character has their own unique voice. And I think uh, he he really is good at that. And especially when you have really quality actors, mm-hmm. it, it, it shines through. So, you know, you're dealing with people like Chris Hemsworth, who's playing Thor for like the millionth time. He's got that character down. Natalie Portman, uh, Tessa Thompson, and Christian Bale. Those are like kind of the heart and soul of this movie. And those are some great actors. So, and, and they fully commit. Um, mm-hmm. they're just having a blast even christian bale you can tell is having a lot of fun so oh man you can tell he's like chewing the scenery in some of those yeah scenes. yeah uh he's 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 doing great so yeah overall i would say you know it's not the same as ragnarok in the sense that this isn't gonna blow your mind in that same way but yeah. if you liked ragnarok like mike said you're gonna like this a lot um even you know and if you're let down with the mcu as of late this is kind of a, a nice little uh refresher on why the mcu is is still fun and can be fun um you know and you don't have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything to enjoy it it's definitely a side adventure like a lot of people get down on like guardians 2 for being inconsequential and a side adventure but it it's kind of that for thor um so, I, I mean, it depends on your tolerance for that stuff. But I, I think it was a nice little thing. And it does progress Thor in a very interesting way that I did not, for some reason, just did not see coming. So I really right. like where they left it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's important, too, because uh, I, I would say the difference between this and Guardians 2 is Guardians 2 felt like kind of another cog in the wheel. It was its own thing, but it was still kind of like, you know, leading up to something else. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas this just feels so detached from everything that's going on, even though the guardians are even in this movie briefly. Um, yeah. But it's, it's more of a, this is a Thor centric adventure. It again, doesn't have huge ramifications, but in the case of Thor, it does kind of change the status quo a bit, which is nice. And because let's be real after four movies and numerous appearances, the character can grow stale. So they're, it's nice that they're constantly reinventing him uh, yeah, almost in every movie. Eighth, so This is the eighth appearance. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot of stuff for Thor. Yeah, and, and I think uh, typically I'd be, I think when you talk to some people who are less hyped about this movie than we are, I think the common criticism is that it does feel inconsequential. And mm-hmm. I think what we've been programmed by Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios is to expect every movie to have such huge consequences and reveals and twists and turns. And you have to see this movie, you know, it's an event. Whereas I, I, I don't think that's what even the best Marvel comics do. And right. I think that's not what the early MCU did. And, and so this is kind of nice to, you know, just be its own thing. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an Oscar worthy story with all that, not to say that it's bad, but you know, Endgame kind of spoiled us with that whole like you know we've we've now reached the pinnacle of superhero yeah. storytelling <laughs> now what and this is kind of just kind of a refresher on it can still be fun and small and all that yeah so. and still work yeah uh do you have anything else you want to talk non-spoilery hmm I mean we can save a lot of the stuff for yeah. for spoilers I think, and that's not to say if you haven't seen the movie, you definitely shouldn't listen to the next part, but that isn't to say there are a lot of spoilers, um, which we'll talk about because this is, again, it's a movie that's just, you know, a good movie. It doesn't have a lot of twists and turns, but yeah, let's, let's pause for a minute. Let's get into spoilers and uh, yeah, stick around. Kids get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. When he got in shape, he went from dead bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's uh, get into spoilers. I want to start by saying uh, kind of like what I what I was saying before that we are typically used to MCU movies being filled with twists and turns and oh my god you know the embargo is so late because they don't want any spoilers to come out but it was kind of nice and refreshing that this isn't a film that relies on twists and turns like Doctor Strange 2 or other Marvel movies there are some surprises particularly with the end credits but overall it's kind of nice to see a film that doesn't rely on cheap thrills right? Yeah it's surprisingly simple and straightforward right um no yeah there are no twists and turns at all so (laughs) except for the end yeah except for the end where you're like oh right and and so so when we talk of spoilers here i don't think it's going to be more of like can you believe they did this it's going to do you know we're just going to talk about plot points so let's start with the discussion of jane foster um Mm. if you've read the comics you kind of know what's going to happen in this story and Surprise, surprise, they don't really deviate from what happens where she has cancer, stage four cancer. Uh, But like a Taika movie or like a Marvel movie, they're like, she has cancer, insert joke, so we can move on, you know? (laughs) Uh, And and ultimately, that's one of my big criticisms is we don't really get to sit with Jane Foster very much 
and and really kind of feel her pain it's a lot of like let's get her back as thor as quickly as possible um so i think she might have gotten a little short changed at the end what do you think yeah she wasn't the most fleshed out character in this uh you know for everybody but there's a kind of outside of thor himself there's not a lot of big dramatic arcs here no no it's just like a to b kind of stuff christian bale was great but i wanted more of him there wasn't really a ton to grab onto but because he's so good you're like yeah i get it and his motivation is simple enough that you don't need a ton where you're just like okay that that is totally understandable for me but but even so he was so good you're just like "I, i wish there was more and apparently there's a ton more but you know he wanted to make this as tight as possible uh taika that is so and then, you know, even uh, uh, Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson, I mean, she was kind of thin in this as well. She's a, a, a king now who is kind of bored with the bureaucracy and just wants to go on an adventure. And that's pretty much the beginning, middle of it and end of it. <laughs> and she likes to get drunk. I think yeah. the biggest uh, the biggest victims, the biggest casualties of the story are Valkyrie and Korg. Korg yeah. gets some laughs because he's kind of there for comedic relief. And, and he, he does get a pretty great payoff at the end. Though. He does. And, and, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff, it, particularly things that might piss off the uh, the woke Disney sucks people, you know, uh, <laughs> but which then is again, that is a part of the comics, apparently. Oh, yeah. His his whole the, the Korg mating ritual thing. So, yeah. Knew? And it's great. And it's it's really fun and sweet. But uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think outside of Thor. Which is funny, we shouldn't criticize a Thor movie for not focusing on the other characters more. But <laughs> the truth is, it, just because Thor's name's on the title, this is an ensemble. And when you have an ensemble, you expect them kind of have, you know, not right. equal time, but but close to. And And this movie very much, you know, Jane Foster should be the heart and soul of this movie. Mm-hmm. And they try to to capitalize on it. But there are long stretches where her cancer is just kind of a... a a non-starter like it just doesn't even matter and Mm -hmm. and then at the end you know they they you know she has her big death and it's it's almost like well oh now you want to talk about cancer you know and it's (laughs) i don't know it i felt a little bummed i we needed like one or two more scenes of her and thor that didn't rely on action and jokes um yeah i think that's one of taika's weaknesses as a filmmaker is he he gets into the the emotion and the honesty but then he kind of undercuts it with the joke at the end um whereas this is a such a heavy story that it it almost needs you to just kind of sit in it for a bit more yeah for it to really ring true um so and people who are seeing you know oh a mighty thor story so great we're gonna get that and it's going to be Jane's going to take the Thor hammer from here. When you know when they announced that she was coming back and she was going to become a mighty Thor is, and he was like, "Pump the brakes! This is still Chris Hemsworth's movie." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now well, I understand why he said that. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you've read the comics, you know, like even in the comics, this was always a ticking clock um, yeah. because you know the story is is that every time she turns into Thor, she kind of eradicates any sort of treatment that she has for her cancer. So her desire to help people is what's actually killing her as much as the cancer is. Um, and, and that's a great story, but it's also, yeah, this isn't, this isn't Natalie Portman's franchise. And I think if you know anything about Natalie Portman and, and her career choices, now's not the time for her to sign a 10 movie Marvel yeah. contract. So for sure. 
whereas Chris Hemsworth's like, sign me up, dude. I'm doing these. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's like the Hugh Jackman of of the MCU. Uh, yeah, you he's mentioned ready to go old man Thor in in ten years. Oh well, they could because uh, that's in the comics too. It's exactly uh, yeah, yeah. it would be great. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit more about Gore the God Butcher. His mm-hmm. uh, he's he's kind of the intro to the movie. Yep, and I think his intro is kind of you you definitely have to believe in it or you're going to have a lot of trouble with him as a character <laughs> um yeah. because that's really kind of his emotional scene in the movie to- until the very very end um and what did you think of that whole prelude it's simple but as a parent i just i can roll with that yeah, yeah. you lose a child in that way to something you believe in so much that's going to make you at least struggle with your faith if not yeah. become angry and bitter about it and that totally checks out for me. But even with that said, I would have liked more uh, character building than plot kind of scenes for, for Christian Bale. I agree. I think the, uh, the, the scenes that are missing are the scary scenes yeah. because we're introduced. We get the story. Like we understand why he's killing gods, why he wants gods to die, but we don't actually see him kill any gods. Uh, yeah. We see the aftermath hear about it. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of a bummer because when he comes on the scene, there's a long gap in between his introduction and when we see him again. And in that time, we're supposed to have believed that he has kind of morphed into this really evil being and we just don't get to see it. And, and he's not very scary until you see him do his thing, um, which equates to unfortunately some shadow monsters, which aren't very interesting, but exactly. We needed, I think we needed more of him, uh killing gods i i mean we we especially because we are introduced reintroduced to sif lady sif and it's her freaked out like completely freaked out and like missing an arm and shit and we're like wow that looks crazy but we don't get to see what and instead of like yeah an emotional you know reunion it's a lot of like silly almost light banter about valhalla yeah yeah it's weird again with taika kind of undercutting his own emotion but (laughs) yeah it's but again i i think gore gore needed some more scenes and i think again because you listen to christian bale there were some big scenes that he recorded apparently with jeff goldblum and peter dinklage you have to assume was him you know killing them i'm gonna butcher a god so yeah. yeah so uh but we don't we don't get to see it and that's just a that's just a bummer yeah apparently there was like four hours worth of movie here that he cut down to two so i would I'd kind of like to see what an extended version of this would be. I know a lot of people are like, "Ugh, we don't need to do that. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd be okay with this one having a little bit more meat on the bone. It's Not crazy to say that it's a bad movie. No, no. It's crazy because Taika is so good at creating a world mm-hmm. uh, that you do want to like sit in it for a lot longer, um, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, this movie just kind of, it's like wham, bam and done. Even if it's two hours, it's not like 90 minutes, but there are a lot of things that could have probably been trimmed and a lot of things that could have been expanded on. And not that I want to like a director's quote, a uh, cut quote unquote, but I do want, you know, I would like to have seen more with the side characters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And speaking of side characters that really understood the assignment, Russell Crowe. Yes. Russell yeah. That's Crow. who I was going to talk about next. <laughs> Russell Crowe plays <laughs> Zeus. And I don't know what was on the paper, but this man totally gets it. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's hilarious, but not like 
not distractingly over the top. He's just over the top enough as this kind of like Zeus who only wants to, uh, who's all about pomp and circumstance and just wants to have orgies. Yes. It's great. Outstanding stuff. He does this little frilly twirling and dancing uh, when he gets to the bottom of the stairs there. And I thought they would killed him off, which I was like, oh, well. Uh, oh well but then again no. apparently yeah. you can't kill a god as easily as that so no uh, he's still around yeah and and we'll get to that in a bit but i want yeah. to uh i want to say that scene it i think if you're going to criticize the movie uh structurally the whole scene with zeus is definitely something that didn't need to be there as much as i loved it <laughs> it's fun but it's yeah, fun it's not... but it could well, have been to get the lightning bolt is basically right but it, it totally derails the momentum of the emotional momentum of this, uh, you know, Thor coming to terms with his, you know, possible love again for Jane. And, you know, we could have had more with Gore and we could have had more with Valkyrie, but, you know, they have to go on this little side quest. Um, it's very video gamey. Yeah. And it, it's fun. But yeah, I just... I don't know. I, I think ultimately the movie is better for having it, but I would have liked to maybe see what happens if that got shortened and other things got expanded on. But yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but and yeah, those, I, oh, go ahead. Know, I was just going to say, and those expecting, you know, looking at the preview and going, oh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor on an adventure. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it is not that. Basically, with with Endgame, where where it leaves Thor and with the Guardians, Taika's just like, OK, I don't want to deal with that. And he just has the beginning of the movie to clean the table, as it were. Yeah. And and that's fine. Like, he makes it an entertaining scene with the Guardians, but then they're off on their own adventure. And that's kind of what I expected. But I think some people have different expectations where it's like, oh, cool. Guardians are going to be all through this movie. No, they are not. They're just in one scene. And I do (laughs) wonder, I do wonder if in Guardians Volume 3, we'll get the other side of the coin where we'll see their point of view of the Thor stuff. Um, which would be kind of fun to, to really put kind of a button on it. I doubt James Gunn even cares to do that. Kind of like Taika wouldn't, didn't care to include the Guardians. He only included what he had to, basically, yeah. to get their paths to diverge. Well, I think, I think uh, who is it? Taika had said that James Gunn has to deal with the goats. And if he has to deal with the goats, then that points to the fact that they would have to deal with the goats. Um, I suppose and, if they're going to yeah. do anything in that period, which... I don't know how that one note joke works, but it somehow worked for me. I laughed every time. It's just one of those things where the screaming goats come and go and you forget about them. And then they come again and go and you forget about them. It it just works every time. And it's just like the guns and roses, right? Yeah. The music in this movie is very unique in the MCU. I think even the score, it's a very like metal-y score, Mm -hmm. uh, which works for the, the tone that he's going for, but there are what, maybe four or five, guns and roses needle drops in this movie yeah and it's nuts and in it i think they're spaced out enough that it works because by the end when you uh get to the the big action crescendo it's the uh just the solo from november rain yeah Um, that's the big one where you're like yeah that yeah i want to talk about that before we get to the some of the the shocks the very end you thor imbues like what maybe three dozen kids with his power (laughs) <laughs> and it's this really cool little fight where these kids are just destroying these shadow monsters. And I won't name names, but I spoke with somebody who's seen this movie who uh, said that was eye rolling. 
And I was shocked. Um, so yeah. what did you think of that? I think in, in most hands, that could be one of those things where I throw up my hands and go, okay, this has jumped the shark. But I, I thought it worked the way he handled it and the way he played the scene out with the music and everything and the, the way the, the kids kind of were fighting. I thought it just worked with the movie. It worked with the tone. Um, and I think I'm taking my kids this weekend and I think they're going to love that scene. So I, I think, think it's going to yeah. go over huge. That's what I think too. I think if you have kids that are like that eight to 12 range, they're really going to like minor jazz. They're much younger, but they still love this stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean though, to see themselves in it, you yes. know, uh-huh. I think that's what this movie, and, and I think Taika has enough of that. He has an eye for the heart and soul of things that it doesn't come off as cheap or cringy. It comes off as sincere and fun. Yeah. Yeah, it and didn't, it wasn't Raimi campy for me. No, no. And boy, oh boy, it's it's again, like you said, in other people's hands, this could have been really terrible. But a lot of this movie could have been really terrible in other people's yeah. hands, right? Yeah. Like, you know, massive goats pulling a spaceship that's like a Viking ship. You know, it's it's all crazy, and a rock guy mating with another rock guy. And it's just it's a <laughs> lot of. It's a lot of things that on paper shouldn't work, but Taika is able to, to make it all kind of flow and, and work. Um, let's talk about the end credits here. Mm. Uh, the first one, I think, is just kind of the cherry on top for the Jane storyline, which is she enters Valhalla and sees Heimdall. Uh, it's the reintroduction of, of That's Idris. That's technically the second one, but yes. Was that the second one? Yeah, it was. I thought it was the first one. That was the second Oh, whatever. Regardless, <laughs> Heimdall's back and, and well, back in the sense that he's in Valhalla uh, and he kind of greets Jane on it because she died a, a, a warrior's death, a Viking death. And, you know, it it's kind of nice. I think I saw it as this is her real send off. You saw it very differently, right? Well, I know that she eventually becomes a Valkyrie in the comics. I don't know much about it. I didn't read that storyline, but I know that exists. So I was wondering if that's their entry point into this or it, I mean, it could be, it's very easy to just say, Hey, that's her ending. Or it could be the beginning of a new storyline for her. You know what I mean? Right. I I'm on the fence on that. I think that Natalie Portman just did this kind of, well, I think she said in an interview actually, where she's got, you know, uh, children who are at the age that this is cool and she wanted yeah. to look cool and to be Same fair. Christian Bale. Yeah. And to be fair, like she was kind of she was misused is a gentle term in Dark World. Um, And and this was a chance for her to bulk up and be a Thor and carry the hammer and the cape and fly around and be a badass. And I think she got her her chance and I don't see her coming back. But Marvel loves to just keep things open ended. And this is definitely a way to to keep it open ended, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily her her lane. Like, I think she's a really great actress, but there aren't a lot of blockbusters that she's in where I think her performance is very good or inspired. Um, I mean, this one is fine. It's probably the best she's come off in a blockbuster. But even so, there's some false notes and, and just kind of weird stuff um, that that aren't necessarily the Natalie Portman where we're like, yes, fucking Natalie Portman is doing it again. 
but she's yeah, fine. I'd love she's to meet the person who's that big of a fan of Natalie Portman. <laughs> like in Jackie, just going, yes, Natalie Portman she's crushing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the emotion. <laughs> or an annihilation or, yeah, yeah. no. Um, I agree. I think, you know, uh, she's she's a great actress, but this is, her, she's, I'm trying to think of other blockbusters she's been in. Star Wars. Oh shit. Movies. Just like Taika. I forgot about Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> everybody came off badly except Ewan McGregor in those prequels. So yeah. uh, that wasn't a, a, a big hurdle to jump over. I think my only issue with how Jane is, is really handled in this movie, other than her storyline getting shortchanged is she's sometimes written to be a bit of a doofus. And yeah. that's kind of a bummer because she's that's not, not Jane. Yeah. She's not a doofus. Yeah. Uh, you know, the constantly thinking about what her catchphrase is going to be just kind of, it's funny, but it doesn't kind of ring true to me as the Jane Foster, who was kind of a stick in the mud, you know? Yeah. I think she wanted to have fun and they're just like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But it it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't really service the character that was in the first couple Thor movies and not that we want to service the dark world version of her where she's just this damsel in distress uh i'd rather kind of go back to the brilliant scientist which kind of was in there but even though even then they're they're kind of joking about it and stuff yeah yeah and and i think it would have been kind of a cool juxtaposition to see one thor who is the as people love to call him a himbo and then (laughs) the other thor being this kind of like nerdy you know astrophysicist um Mm. but you know, hey, Taika went the the fun way, and yeah, <laughs> Taika's sure. gonna Taika. Taika's gonna Taika. Uh, we do get a little bit of Darcy, your favorite person ever. Yeah, and we got one cameo from her and one cameo from uh, Selvig. Sel Eric Selvig, yes. Yeah, um, and I'm fine with that. I don't need more of them, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no, it was kind of nice though that you know she, Darcy's back in there because I was wondering if they were going to include her after Wandavision, but yeah it's just one scene it's whatever um yeah and fun little what up to the older characters yeah yeah uh so the second post credit scene i think is pretty much the only like you know jaw on the floor twist that people are going to see in this entire movie which or is it'll it, be a giant shrug for those who don't know him yeah <laughs> i didn't even think about that okay one second let me set this up so you have like you were saying zeus is defeated and he's more than defeated his pride is is hurt and Mm -hmm. this russell crowe version of zeus is not a man who likes to have his pride damaged in any way so he makes it seem like he has to get revenge on thor and so he sends his son hercules and uh hercules in the comic books is actually a superhero um he's kind of a fun kind of he's basically what thor is in the movies but in the the Mm -hmm. comics um And he's kind of, yeah, just like a demigod, kind of like Thor, like a B-list Thor, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. And, and in this movie, he's played by Brett Goldstein of Ted Lasso fame, which on paper, you're like, okay, kind of. And then you see it and you're like, I get it. I get it. It's the, perfect, it's a, perfect casting. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's not the Hercules that people may be expecting because I think they're expecting more of a silly Hercules. But we've I seen mean, that could be a damn silly Hercules. Right. I was about to say, we've seen in Ted Lasso that Brett Goldstein can be a uh, a comedic presence. But in the 
how would you describe it? Like the straight man sort of way? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's the butt of the joke sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. He's I think that, taking that. I think they're going to make him super self-serious, which mm-hmm. kind of makes it funny because he's going to be Hercules and kind of, I guess, like the first Thor when he was like, you know, in the diner with a cup of coffee and he smashes the the yeah. mug on the floor and says, I want more, you know, that sort of like ridiculous thing. Right. Uh, only cranky, you know, <laughs> cranky. Uh, it's not a stretch for Goldstein. Apparently he loves his cranky characters, but I guess, yeah. If you don't, a, you don't know who Hercules is or B don't watch Ted Lasso. That's going to be a big shrug. Um, mm-hmm. But if like me, you know, both you're going to be like, Hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I had to tell my wife about it because she's like, I don't care. You can spoil it for me. And she was like, oh, now I want to see it. I'm like, exactly. I have not told my wife happened. about it. I didn't tell my wife about it, but I told her, like, you're going to you're going to like one of the post credit scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and here's here's like a question for you, because one of the phase four things, which I think is interesting because we didn't really see this uh, leading. We saw it a bit in phase one but not in two and three, which is this idea of leaving big surprise stunt casting towards mm. these end credits. We've I seen it. Charlize Theron in Dr. Strange and Harry, Harry Styles, Styles and Eternals. And Eternals. It, we've seen this now. This is what the third major one. And we're talking like major. These are characters like you don't hire Harry Styles for one scene. You don't hire Charlize for one scene. You don't hire Brett Goldstein for one scene. What is this for? <laughs> yep. That's that's the next question. Yeah. So I mean, do you... I'm I'm hoping it's just the next movie that Taika and and Chris are going to come back, uh, hopefully relatively soon. I know Taika's got a Star Wars thing, and he's got basically a million other things. Quote unquote uh, Star Wars. He's not. He's never doing a Star Wars movie. I don't know. They seem pretty confident. Um, <sighs> I just read. I think it was Rolling Stone where he said he's got to do the next Our Flag Meets Death. He has to yep. do after that Time Bandits, and he's just now starting to write Star Wars. So we'll see. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. We'll see. I, I, I'm not could confident. It could go the way of Flash Gordon. It could go the way of Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Mm. Um, it could go the way of Rogue Squadron. It could, <laughs> let's just say that uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy doesn't have the best track record with getting Star Wars movies uh, that don't have Skywalker in it. Made, yeah, so. but I mean, those those movies fizzled because those directors kind of fizzled. They had projects where it was like, okay. Uh, and this one, I don't think I don't think he's gonna have that kind of stink on him at this point. He doesn't so. have the stink, but here's the thing: Taika doesn't need Star Wars. No, he does not. They need him, and if he's not happy with it, he's gonna walk. That's all I'm saying. It, that's true it, they, if he has, they tend to hire people who are really creative and then go oh we can't work with you yeah so i think uh we're getting way off the marvel thing but uh, <laughs> here's all i'll say about tyken star wars is uh you know keep 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 an eye on things because it could go uh very wrong yeah that said we'll back to marvel uh i don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> yeah i hope i hope it's thor five whatever it is you know thor and his daughter and on an adventure oh yeah we didn't even think of that is the is the daughter going to be a thing now i hope so i think that's a great thing to to kind of change his character and make him confront some of these behaviors and and selfishness all that kind of stuff and and having to be a dad that i think that would be an interesting thing for thor i just i don't know again because we don't have this sort of we don't know what the saga is 
Uh, mm. I hate saying that. But because we don't know that, we don't know what the future holds. Marvel did say at the end of this movie, like it does at every movie, Thor will return or X hero will return. But it, 2017 was when we saw Ragnarok, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's been a minute. 2027? Like, is that what we're waiting for? I don't know that, you know, are people going to care about Brett Goldstein as Hercules in 2027? I don't know. I mean, we're still waiting for Blade and it's going to happen. <laughs> You know, it, it, they they've they've been playing the long game for a little bit here because I think you so many plates to balance. That's the thing is I don't know I, I Harry Styles could just never show up again just because Eternals was not good. Um, mm-hmm. But Charlize Theron and Brett Goldstein, you have to assume they have some sort of plan for him, and I don't think you're going to wait five years for that because why introduce him now if you're just going to wait that long? So I I will. Hey, Comic-Con's around the corner. Who knows? Who knows what'll get announced? It could, you know, we could be talking about something very different in two weeks. So, yeah. I guess, where do you rank it? Uh, If you had to rank the Thor movies, where do you rank those? Number two. Yeah, I'd say two. Is Ragnarok this, and then a huge gap, and then the original (laughs) Thor, and then then a huge gap, and then Dark World. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. This is the Thor that i want to see in movies um i don't know i hope that the reinvention of him being a father now is gonna uh you know put a bit more uh shine on it enough that it's gonna last a couple more appearances Mm -hmm. because the the himbo thing could could run its course here soon but uh yeah we'll see and sif might have to get together and play mommy and daddy or something like that ew here's the thing about sif do people really (laughs) care about sif (laughs) <laughs> no but that that is kind of his comics lady at some point right yeah i just don't know that people care uh, jamie alexander seems like a, a nice lady um <laughs> but i i don't know that anybody cares about sif i think people <laughs> want to care about sif and they say they care about sif but nobody really cares about sif that's fair <laughs> yeah i mean there could be always someone else that's true but you know i do hope uh before the next thor that valkyrie gets something exactly i I, needs needs your her queen she does and she needs i don't know i you see you see glimpses of kind of like a swashbuckling valkyrie in this and you just you want more man i want to see her like romancing the the you know prince and princesses of the world you know and (laughs) i don't yeah you don't really get it very much here yeah um but yeah you know the goats can stay. I, I goats can stay. I meant stay in this movie and, and never come back. I don't they get their own spinoff. Just the goats. No, we don't need. No, it. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> Marvel also has this thing where they love introducing like little cute things, like yeah. Shang Chi, yeah. and um, there was one in uh, oh shit, I forget. Anyway, they 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 love their baby, baby Yoda Groot, types, you know, baby Groot, and yeah, they love their baby Yoda types, and the goats are kind of fun to put on a poster, but yeah, I yeah. the the joke the joke can be done in this movie, and I don't need goats leading Thor into every battle. Right? Yeah, the goats are just fun little side bits. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think at the end of every. Uh, discussion of these Marvel movies, we kind of come to the same conclusion. We don't know where they're going with this. Yeah. No idea, but they keep saying, you're going to know. You're going to know. The I don't like when. Yeah. Because all signs Comic-Con? are pointing. Yeah. I mean, but 
I guess, I guess, but all signs are pointing that Wakanda forever is kind of its own thing. Um, There's no multiversal stuff in that. Is the multiverse done now? Um, Is it going to be Galactus? What a waste that would be, man. Well, they've got what if season two coming, but, and Loki season two, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I think these, this franchise needs its, its new big bad. I, I think it could be Galactus. I think that could be fun. Um, I mean, but, they keep setting up um, Jonathan Majors as Kang. But they don't keep setting it up. They've only done it twice. I but mean, once, they, I mean. Yeah, but they, they put, when they, he was doing press for that and when Kevin Feige was doing press for that, they're saying, like, this is the guy. Um, and you haven't really gotten any more. And he's coming up in Ant-Man, but I have a hard time believing an Ant-Man movie is going to change the MCU. <laughs> um, you know how much I love Ant-Man. <laughs> well, I could have said the same about Doctor Strange, too, when that was first announced. Yep. And they, they really wanted to, to pretend that movie changed things. Um, we'll see. I just I, I, I don't think Kang is worthy of a saga. Um, I think we'll I think Galactus is kind of the most obvious. We'll see. But yeah, yeah Comic-Con's coming up. D23 is coming up. Those are kind of where everybody expects uh, Marvel Studios to, to kind of unveil its next slate. And, I, mean, I, we're... I mean, as far as Galactic, Galactus goes, they did introduce some of those like epic, you know, large kind of gods, you know, all touching gods in this movie. So yeah with with eternity so yeah eternity is kind of the big one um Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that's interesting but again it 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 could just be nothing but i think uh i think we're deep deep into phase four now because of all the tv shows we've had like half a dozen tv shows and i don't know are we at like half a dozen movies yet like we're we're (laughs) we're deep into this phase and i you have to assume that phase five is coming up and at that point we have to know what's going on um yeah so We'll see. Yeah, is, is phase four just the recalibrating phase, basically? If it is, they've failed. <laughs> <laughs> they've muddied the waters. Like, it, with this whole multiversal shit, I think if anybody is is starting to feel fatigued, I think the multiversal stuff is kind of a big uh, issue for a lot of people. It is for me. I'm done with it. I'm totally done with it. Yeah, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness definitely... Uh, made i i went in very interested in it and left extremely disinterested so yeah yeah killed any interest that i had it really did um and yeah so i you know we'll see it in loki season two but i just you know whatever (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) i'm ready for the big bad whoever that is and um i'm ready just to to know where we're going and then also marvel if you're listening keep up with these movies that are just good and fun um don't don't get bogged down in in you know whatever twists and turns you're trying to make people go crazy for so you're Um, telling them to get to it and don't get to it i'm saying that we need (laughs) we need a a focus but Mm -hmm. also we need these movies to to stand on their own too um so we need it to be like like phase three i think is kind of the the perfect mix of all this um or even phase one but phase one didn't have any sort of big bad until the end of avengers um but yeah anyway yeah Yeah. we're 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 meandering here we're we're you know just rambling so uh thank you mike for talking about thor love and thunder with me i think overall if we want to put a bow on this 
it's good. It's worth your time. Uh, it's nice to say that about a Marvel movie. <laughs> and if you liked Ragnarok, you're going to have plenty to like in this too. Yeah. If you're a little upset from Doctor Strange and the Eternals, hopefully this is that elixir that kind of turns things around. A bit. This is kind of the anti-Eternals. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a cosmic space movie that just doesn't take itself seriously. And that might be a bummer for some people, but I think it's kind of just what we need right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, next on the, the docket for Marvel is She-Hulk. Oh, that's what's next, huh? Okay, yeah. That's August. Okay. And then after that, uh, probably another show. And then November is Black Panther, right? Black Panther, yeah, which we've seen nothing from. I'm hoping we'll see it for Comic-Con. Uh, they have to have a teaser. They, they have, have to. to. I, I'm almost, uh, I'm, well, I'm really surprised they didn't release a teaser before Thor because they're kind of M.O., for these movies is they always release a teaser for their next thing before the current thing. Right. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm really surprised, but with Comic-Con two weeks away, it's almost, it's gotta be for certain that we'll see the, a teaser of some sort for black Panther. Um, Fingers crossed. And, and I, it, here's one thing I'll say, don't expect that teaser to answer the big question that everybody's wanting to know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is going to do about, Jack? what are they going to do about Black Panther? Um, I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to see, but it won't be answered in a teaser, but yeah. Anyway, thank you, Mike. We will be back with more discussions of movies soon. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Uh-huh.